Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Friday, December 1st. Happy Rosa Parks Day, who on this date in 1955 was headed home from her seamstress gig on a Montgomery City bus. Back then, Alabama was one of several states that enforced the idea that blacks and whites ought to keep separate from each other. And the rule was, if there's too many whites on the bus, the blacks had to give up their seats. Except Rosa was like, nuh-uh. But the cops were like, yeah, huh? and tossed her in the pokey, thus triggering a bus boycott, which overturned segregated buses. Except that ain't 100% true. See, nine months earlier, this girl named Claudette Colvin got busted for pulling the exact same thing. But because she was only 15 and pregnant, Martin Luther King and the NAACP decided Rosa would be a better face for the movement. So Rosa spent the next nine months sitting in the white seats till she finally got arrested. Meanwhile, Aurelia Browder, Susie McDonald, Mary Louise Smith, and Janetta Reese also got nabbed for sitting wrong, and they sued, which is really how you change laws, not with protests. But Bible Y'all Paul, are you saying that the Rosa Parks thing was a scam and a setup and not a spontaneous uprising of the downtrodden against the man? Well, yeah, but why is that a bad thing? Some things, like racial segregation, are wrong and need to be fought. I don't care how many college professors are trying to make it fashionable again. But sometimes you can't have a fight lest somebody picks a fight. And even though it is in courts and not the streets where laws get changed, rest assured those judges were watching the temperature of those streets pretty close. The protests and boycotts probably had as much influence on that case as any of the lawyers. All I'm saying is, leave people alone. Let them sit where they want long as they ain't hurting nobody. Our reading for today is Daniel 8, 1 through 27, 1 John 2, 1 through 17, Psalm 120, 1 through 7, and Proverbs 28, 25 and 26. So if y'all are ready, and don't think the irony's lost on me that all these girls stood up for civil rights by staying seated. But before we get to the reading, let's me and y'all do a review of yesterday's study, cause the squall's got the night off. Yeah, she left me some notes, and no, I will not read them in her voice. I thought about it, but I figured I better not. But anyway, yesterday, on November 30th, in the Old Testament, we read Daniel 7, 1-28. And in the last chapter, we read about how Belshazzar met his end. This chapter, we flash back to the first year of his reign, about 17 years earlier. And nobody knows how old he was. They think he was in his 40s when he died, so the first year of his reign, maybe 30-ish, but nobody knows. Daniel's probably in his 70s. And he has a series of nighttime dreams and visions. So let's break this down. And spoiler alert, his dream parallels King Neb's dream about the statue. So Daniel says, Behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. The sea refers to the Gentile world. And the four winds are winds from each cardinal point on the compass, in other words. They stirred up the sea and troubled it. So everywhere in the world is in turmoil. And he said, Four great beasts came up from the sea, from the world, not Israel. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. So Babylon, King Neb specifically, the king of beasts. See what he did there? Four great beasts. Neb was the head of gold in this situation too. And in case you're skeptical, the next breath, he says, I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. Remember when Nebuchadnezzar dreamed he was a tree and was given the heart of a beast? 
and had to go live as a were chicken for seven years? Well, Daniel says, after his wings got plucked, he was turned back into a man again, and a man's heart was given to him. And Chuck Missler believes that this verse means Neb was given a heart for God, and will see him in heaven one day. And speaking of Chuck Missler, he has an excellent study on this and the book of Daniel that everybody ought to check out. And anything else he did, too. Everything Missler says is gold. And I imagine he's forgotten more about the Bible than any of us will ever learn. Before he died, anyway. Anyway, the second beast was like to a bear, which is supposed to represent the cruelty and bloodthirstiness of the Medo-Persian Empire. And it raised itself up on one side, which might mean its dominance over the eastern part of the world, or how lopsided the power balance was between the weak Medes and the strong Persians, which is what I think. And it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it, which might be the Persians above the Medes and Babylonians, or more likely, I think, the ribs are Babylon, Lydia, and Egypt, which were conquered by Medo-Persia, devoured and chewed up by it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this, I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. And this represents Alexander the Great of Greece, who conquered everybody worth conquering in something like twelve years, if I remember correctly. And the beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. When Alexander died, he divided his kingdom between his four main generals, or captains, or whatever they were called. Cassander got Macedonia and Greece. Lysimachus got Thrace and Bithynia. Ptolemy got Egypt, and Seleucus got Syria. So, way to be hyper-specific there, Daniel. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. Remember the iron legs of the statue? Here it is again. And iron is usually symbolic of warfare or weaponry. Hence, this beast devoured and break in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. And horns are symbolic of power. And usually people say these ten horns are ten kings, and maybe, but not necessarily, might just be ten consolidations of power of some kind. And after Rome split into east and west, the western empire just kind of broke up into ten kingdoms. The Franks, Burgundians, Suevi, Vandals, Visigoths, Anglo-Saxons, Ostrogoths, Lombards, and the Heruli. And we're going to discuss each one of these in detail right now. No, we're not. Wish we could, but I have to go to work tomorrow. Daniel says, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. So another king is going to rise up and conquer three of the other kingdoms, and he's going to be an arrogant loudmouth, apparently. This has not happened yet which has some wild implications. One of them being, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. In other words, Jesus returns, in all pure white righteousness with the fire of divine judgment, and brings them all into submission. Daniel says, I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. And that's what you get for running your mouth. Then Jesus was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, which has not happened yet. We're still waiting on it. 
So then Daniel says, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. So these visions really messed Daniel up. So he walks up to one of the angels that are hanging out in his vision and asks him to explain some of this to him. So the angel lays it all out for him. He says, These great beasts are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess it forever. The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise. And another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings, just like we just got done saying. That little horn shall speak great words against the Most High. He'll blaspheme God like a lot, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. He'll persecute the church, or maybe the tribulation saints, depending on who's right about the rapture. And he'll think to change times and laws, stuff like appointing fasts and feasts and canonizing saints, and indulgences for sins and stuff like that. And they shall be given into his hand until the time and times and the dividing of time. And that's weird language, but it means three and a half years. You know how in English we have the word both? Like if I said both my friends showed up, you'd know I had only two friends? Well, Hebrew has that too, which we're back to now because it's chapter 7. And time is the word idan, and the word translated times is veidanin, which denoted two years. One plus two plus one half equals three and a half. But whatever, he's saying the Antichrist gets to have his way for three and a half years, then Jesus comes down to take care of business. And that's pretty much the end of it. Now what the squall wrote down here in her notes says, Daniel is fearless and unwavering in his devotion to God, and he served under eight kings. Daniel's possible age range, 12 to 18 to 78 to 84 while in captivity, for 66 years under six Babylonian kings. In spite of the apostasy that was prevalent in Judah, this young man loved God and knew God loved him. In spite of the three years of training at a young age, the name change, the new language, a career in foreign government, hostile to his home country, overseeing magicians, and he did not stop praying to God three times a day. Daniel is an example of perfect love casting out fear. The squall is deep. So in the New Testament, we read 1 John 1, 1-10. And this is probably the same John that wrote the Gospel of John, and probably for the same people he was writing to back then. And this was written around A.D. 85 or 95, give or take. And he was trying to address the problem of Gnosticism. And the word Gnostic means literally people who knew. And they believed in salvation by knowledge, which right away screams cult. These weirdos believed that matter is evil and spirit is good. And the solution to the tension between the two was knowledge, or gnosis, which is how a man saves himself from being just a mundane person and lifting himself into the spiritual. And this led to two false theories concerning the person of Christ. First one's called docetism, regarding the human Jesus as a ghost, and serinthianism, making Jesus a dual personality, sometimes human and sometimes divine. And the purpose of 1 John is to set boundaries on what it was that believers believed, and to give believers some assurance of their salvation. And John comes in hot. He says, That which was from the beginning we have seen with our eyes, and our hands have handled the word of life. Jesus was the word that was there at the beginning before the creation. And what are words? Information. And what is the only kind of information that's useful? The truth. And Jesus is the truth. Then he switches up the metaphor and says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all, which may be the most profound and powerful thing you can say about God. And I'll just let y'all chew on that one for a while. Then he says something wild. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie 
Okay, got it. Don't sin. Walk in the light. But if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So wait, you're saying we have sin and to say we don't is itself sinful. But we have to not have sin to walk in the light. It's a no-win situation. Y'all Star Trek fans out there, remember the Kobayashi Maru test? The no-win situation that every Starfleet officer had to face? And everyone failed? You remember how Kirk beat it? He reprogrammed the whole thing. Well, if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll reprogram the test for you. Just don't try to claim sinlessness or we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And what the squaw says about this is, And these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We are giving you first-hand accounts of the salvation of God and Jesus Christ. This is the basis of fellowship. Don't be deceived. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 119, 145 through 176. We finished this Psalm. We started with the letter Kaf. And it says, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. Mostly this section, he's crying out to God to hear him and fellowship with him. And the next letter is Resh. It says, Consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. Plead my cause. He's begging for salvation and mercy. The next letter is Shin. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love, is the big idea of this section. He's being persecuted, but it won't drive him away from the Lord. And the last letter is Tau. Let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. He's asking for wisdom and just blessing in general for his love for God. And the squaw has quoted Psalm 119.165, which says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. She says, I have heard peace described as nothing missing, nothing broken. Wholeness is joy, so it is hard to displease someone that is whole. Now someone with a chip on their shoulder? It is hard not to offend or displease them. Loving the law makes us whole, makes us strong. Squall's pretty smart. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 28, 23, and 24. And 23 says, He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. Better a hard truth than a sweet lie, which is the opposite of most people, I find. And the squaw says, Speak the truth in love. And verse 24 says, Whoso robbeth his father or his mother, and saith it is no transgression, as if you had some kind of right to your parents' stuff, the same is the companion of a destroyer. You're nothing more than a thief and a robber. So turn off the Xbox, find a t-shirt that doesn't have Yodas and stuff on it, come up out of your mom's basement, get a job, get your own place, find a nice girl, and take her to dinner. Stop living off your parents' pajama boys. And what the squall has written down here is, the Pharisees pulled a Balaam. They made a way for Jews to dishonor their parents. Remember, Jesus got on them about that. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. I'm sorry it was just me. I missed the squall just as much as y'all did tonight. But she still helped out, so thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for December 1st is Daniel 8, 1-27. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. And I saw in a vision, and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in a vision, and I was by the river of Ulai. Then I lifted up mine eyes, and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns. And the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward, and northward, and southward, 
so that no beast might stand before him. Neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand. But he did according to his will, and became great. And as I was considering, behold, an he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth, and touched not the ground. And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. And he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran unto him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with choler against him, and smote the ram, and brake his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground, and stamped upon him. And there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Therefore the he-goat waxed very great. And when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. And out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great, toward the south, and toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great, even to the host of heaven. And it cast down some of the host, and of the stars to the ground, and stamped upon them. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host. And by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And an host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression. And it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days. Then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And it came to pass, when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning, then behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Ulai, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid, and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. Now as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep on my face toward the ground. But he touched me and set me upright. And he said, Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation. For at the time appointed, the end shall be. The ram which thou sawest, having two horns, are the kings of Media and Persia. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia. And the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Now that being broken, whereas four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of the nation, but not in his power. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up, and his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. And the vision of the evening and the morning which was told is true. Wherefore shut thou up the vision, for it shall be for many days. And I, Daniel, fainted, and was sick certain days. Afterward I rose up and did the king's business. And I was astonished at the vision, but none understood it. Our reading in the New Testament for December 1st is 1 John 2, 1-17. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. 
He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness, even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Our reading in Psalms for December 1st is Psalm 120, 1-7. A Song of Degrees In my distress I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips, and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given unto thee, or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. Woe is me that I sojourn in Mesek, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And our reading in Proverbs for December 1st is Proverbs 28, 25, and 26. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Okay, that's got it for the 1st of December. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on Matthew 24, 37, which says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on praying against increasing violence, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, the Lord Jesus told us that just like in the days of Noah, in the last days iniquity shall abound and we will be hated for his name. And over the past few years, a faction of society has become more and more violent and they have sworn an increase in violence in opposition to liberty. We humbly pray that you restrain these harmful, hateful people and protect the innocent from their violence. Teach us to respond appropriately to their violence according to your will and draw them closer to you that they might receive salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be a blessing to them somehow. Amen.
You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got anything you want us to pray for you about, just email me at BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just try to avoid making things worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. Okay, that's all the Bible, y'all, and that I got for you.